Disappeared. I did. Oh, it was really like I could hear you. It sounded like you were across the room. Oh. Um. I. I you know. I. I suppose you got to admire their enthusiasm. I mean. I mean. They make movies. I don't make seventy-five movies a year. Yeah. I don't make one movie a year. I mean, feeders is bad. Um, feeders two is worse. Wait, they made a sequel. Yeah, Rift Tracks did it too. <laughs> uh, but I mean, they've made a lot. I've seen a lot of their movies. Some of them are good, and some of them aren't. Hmm. Uh, I appreciate that they use the same people over and over again. Oh, do they? Yeah. Um, I don't know that I've seen another one because it's usually when I when I put on a movie that I don't know anything about, and I don't. You know, and I don't look at the director or whatever, and I see the like just the way it's filmed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I'm not going to like this, and I I just turn it off. Yeah. So I I don't know that. I mean, I might have started one of their movies before. Yeah. Because usually those movies are just people running around doing nothing, and, and yeah, there's a lot of walking around, and um. Theirs aren't as the the later ones, the ones they make like recently. I forget which one of them died, but there's only one Polonia brother now, and he still makes a lot of movies. But they're a lot less interesting, in my opinion, and they use a lot of like like 
uh, off-the-shelf CGI stuff now, and it's it makes it funny sometimes, but uh, n- not a lot. Uh, I think Sharkenstein was the my last favorite of theirs, and that was already a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, they've made a lot of bad movies. Um, there's another director, I think his name's Dustin Ferguson, and he made, he's the worst for movies. Like, he doesn't have plots. It's mostly just following somebody walking around. <laughs> and they'll just film them, like, shopping in a store. You know, and he's like, what the fuck? That was 20 minutes. You know, or something like that. Where you're like struggling maybe, to find the point at the end of it. Yeah, then at the end, near the end, like a monster jumps out, or a guy in a monster suit jumps out and attacks. And, uh, yeah, he also makes like 75 movies a year. It's like, I mean, I guess I'm trying to figure out where the consumer base for that stuff is. I thought about that that much of it, you know, I thought about that too. And I was like, they, they must be, somebody's making money off of it. Right. Cause I mean, even if they're making them on, on a nothing budget, how do they do that many if they're not making any money? But how? Yeah, like how are they making? Who are they selling it to? I mean, obviously it's getting shown on like Amazon and stuff, but yeah, but that from what I've heard, you don't get a lot of money for that. Hmm. So I don't. Yeah, I, I just don't understand. For the quantity, I don't understand. I guess you know. I mean, I could see like one or two a year, maybe that kind of yeah. thing. But yeah. I, um, anyway, Rift Tracks is funny. I like them. Yeah. That all, it, the reason I, um, found out that they had a bunch of those on Tubi that I hadn't seen yet is because I was looking for the, uh, MST3K episode, the Puma Man episode. Puma Man. Puma Man. <laughs> Puma Man. And, uh, just because I wanted to see that gag about Roger Whitaker again. You are the Puma Man. But uh, I couldn't find that for free to watch on Amazon, so I was looking around, and I found it on Tubi, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then from there, I was like, oh, they got Rift Tracks. So, yeah. The um, Puma Man. Puma Man. <laughs> Donald Pleasant. Is he dead? He is dead. Hmm. I've seen a lot of Donald Pleasant's movies. Uh, he's made, I think, more bad ones than good ones. Yeah, and I've probably seen a good chunk of them. Yeah. I, I won't, I won't say I've seen every Donald Pleasance movie. The, the, the Italian and Spanish ones? Yeah, yeah. Which I'm guessing, I mean, Puma Man's one of those, right? It's an Italian movie, right? Oh yeah, straight up, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, the funny thing is, is uh, me and my parents had watched that years ago, and... Mm. You know, my parents are the reason I like Roger Whittaker, so they got a kick out of that episode. But we misremembered it for a long time because we hadn't seen it. And we always thought they were saying something about bring me the head of Roger Whittaker, but that, they never actually say that in the skit. Mm-hmm. They mentioned that there's there's a head that looks remarkably like Roger Whittaker. And then, 
and then like are, her, are you talking about the the mask? It was either a mask or one of the heads that he makes from the mask, like after he <laughs> captures people's minds. Mm. But then, then the robots actually make a head of Roger Whittaker, <laughs> and they say, "We control Roger Whittaker." Yeah. And then, of course, Roger Whittaker shows up at the end and bugs Pearl. But is um, it Mike? Mike dressed up like Roger Whittaker. It was um, uh, I think it was either Crow or um. I can't remember the guy's name. It was either Corbett or, um, what's the other guy's name? Is that a Corbett one? Yeah, that that was a the Rift Tracks guys. That episode. I mean, that was later MST3K. It was like ninety eight. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was a Mike episode. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, it was either Corbett or the other guy playing Roger Whitaker. I don't ever remember which which one's the bigger guy that usually has the, the goatee. That's uh, that's Kevin. Kevin, I think it was him playing Roger Whitaker. He's yeah okay. That did he sing? Yeah, yeah. That would be Kevin. Kevin's the singer. All of his lines were basically from that last farewell song. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. Kevin's the singer, and uh, that made me laugh because I hadn't seen that one in a long time. <clears throat> And of course, I was—I've been listening to a lot of Roger Whittaker lately. So it's funny because I think about it. The, um, you remember when they used to sell like they had TV records? Like mm-hmm. you couldn't get them anywhere else. You just mm-hmm. got them from these TV promotions. Yeah. And so, like, this came out in '77 or something. My parents saw it on TV, so they bought it. Uh, along, like later. Later, they bought, like, Hooked on Classics and stuff, too, from TV ads. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so it's this, like, double album compilation record thing. And, and I'm trying to think of what, they, they probably got that, like, late 70s, 78, 79, something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I kind of grew up listening to them, more or less. And, I mean, they even took me to see them live, like, in 83, I think, maybe. Wait, you saw Roger Whittaker? I did. I saw yeah. saw Roger Whitaker at Music Hall, which is where I also saw Richard Harris doing Camelot when I was a kid. I got some culture. I mean, it explains a lot about like why you are so into those guys. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, stuff I liked when I was a kid, so I still kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, not kind of. I do like it. I like Richard Harris's soundtrack for Camelot, and I, I like Roger Whittaker songs. Man, that guy can whistle. Yep, he can whistle up a storm. But, uh, yeah, anyway. I also watched a shark movie that didn't have nearly enough shark in it. Well, that happens. That's gonna happen. It's like, I mean, if your whole point of the movie is the shark, why don't you show more shark? Like this was this was a newer one. I think it, I think it's Mexican made, but it was you know like how sometimes in foreign countries they'll they'll make a movie but they make it in English, and for like in higher English actors and stuff. Well, like like the Italians used to do, except they do a lot of bad overdubbing for the Italian actors, <laughs> so they could speak mm-hmm. in English. But this one was a newer one. It's called um, Black Demon, I think. Oh, the new movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 
And it's, you know, it's not a terrible movie. It's not like right. super groundbreaking or anything, but yeah. if you're looking for like a attack killer shark movie on a oil like station, then this is one of several you can watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like, there's just not enough shark in it. You know? Yeah. I mean, well, he's, uh, he's like a spooky shark. Yeah. But I mean, he's still like a shark. It's like another Meg movie. Yeah. It's spooky Meg. Yeah. Uh, except, I mean, the shark doesn't actually do anything spooky. The Just the circumstances of how he shows up is spooky. Yeah, he's like a cursed shark. Yeah. But, like, once he's there, he just acts like another big, hungry, angry shark. Um, But, like... And, like, the body count's, like, super low. Mm-hmm. I think a um, total of, like, maybe six people get it. I'm just like, huh. And I get it. It's it's supposed to be more about like more of a moral tale about taking care of the planet and stuff. But mm-hmm. still, it's like, come on, man, give me more shark. Why don't you take more care of the planet? I tried. I'm just not very good at housekeeping. Hmm, that's a good point. Uh, mental or physical? <laughs> hmm. I said mental or physical. Yeah. I'm not good at housekeeping. Um, I tend to just shove everything in the closet and cram the door shut. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. It's, eventually it all falls out and then you have to clean it up. But why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? Unless it's making me money. And I got the deadline. Then I got to get it done today. Um, get me a job. Um... You know- you know how people, you know how to get me a job. I, uh, next yeah. time, next time I'm at Target, I'll pick you up an application. Oh, that's rude. Yeah, that was rude. I knew I knew it was as soon as it was like coming out of my mouth. That's cold blooded. I didn't mean it. It's upsetting because I, I, I would take it. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's worse places to work than Target. I I mean, is there a way that I don't have to talk to people? Can I work in the? I'm probably going to end up like moving big heavy boxes or something because that's I don't I don't really want to be front of house. Can you move big heavy boxes? I mean, I will until I can't because <laughs> then that probably happen really quick. Yeah. Yeah, I. I looked at my mortgage the other day and I looked at the payoff date and I'm like, holy crap, I'm going to be 70 before I pay off my house. Gross. It is gross. But I'm one of those people that didn't buy a place until much later in life, you know? Yeah. Like, my parents' generation and stuff, you bought a house in your 20s or whatever, you know? Yeah, sure. And I didn't get one until I was in my 40s, so. But, um... But, you know, I pay an extra 20 every mortgage payment, and that actually has taken it down a couple years already. So maybe it won't be I so mean, good. we yeah, we've done pretty well with ours. Like, we are, I would say, I'd have to check. We're at least halfway done. Oh, that's sweet. <clears throat> I mean, you guys have been there, what, like 10, 15? 10? Uh, almost, yeah. About almost 10. That's pretty good, then. Yeah, we're doing great. Um, I mean, but we don't have a house house. Right. 
does that, um, that is a weird thing, because you've kind of got, like, the apartment thing going and, like, the house thing going, because there's stuff you got to take care of all on your own, but then there's other stuff that's, like, the building's responsibility, right? Yeah, we're more annoyed with the building stuff. Like, we we don't like having the upstairs neighbor. Like, we can hear clomping around and stuff. It's like, if we had a house, we wouldn't have that. Right. I mean, we're already paying for all kinds of repair kind of stuff anyway, so that's like having a house. It's a weird thing with where the market's at right now, though. Like, I, um, we just had our county uh, property reappraisals done, mm-hmm. and my uh, my property went up almost double what I paid for it, like yeah. seven years ago. Yeah. Um, which I think it's insane to do a property reassessment while we're still in a bubble. Yeah, because this well, is a, this is a bubble. This, these prices aren't going to last, you know. Well, they're going up, right? But I mean, you know, it's like what I'm saying though is it's still a bubble, you know. It's going to pop sooner or later. Um, but anyway, so like, and I'm like, well, okay, and I and I've been getting those, you know, those hokey cash offers like in the mail. Yeah. Or somebody wants to pay me like $128,000 in cash for my house right now or something. And I'm like, well, that sounds really good. That's more than what I paid for it. And I can pay off the rest of my loan and still have a bunch of cash. And then I'm like, but where the hell am I going to find any place like this for what I pay for it? <laughs> you know? Well, that, yeah, that's our thing, too. It's like we've got a pretty – I mean, there's not a lot of places with this much space. and Yeah, I mean, you guys got a dual-level thing. and yeah. Like, but I mean, I, I really think you ought to consider just putting a fire pole in from upstairs to downstairs. But rather get, we'd like to have a yard. I don't want a yard because that means cutting grass and stuff, or paying somebody else to do it. But, yeah. but Julie's never going to let us pay for somebody to do it. She's going to go out there, which means that I'm going to have to go out there and do it instead. <laughs> That's the way that works. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. I, I, I probably need a, a house before I got another dog, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, you never had a house with a dog yet. Yes. I just keep getting little dogs. Although that doesn't stop other people in Chicago from having like dogs bigger than I was. Yeah, when yeah, it it is it's kind of a cruelty. I mean. Uh, to be fair, I see a lot of people being very active with those dogs, but still. I like but, that dogs are chill. Uh, and I, a lot of them are, yeah, but you got to exercise them. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. And like those big, the big, like, not a lot, a lot of them, but the, your labs and your retrievers and, you know, even your boxers and stuff, they like to run and play so yeah my parents lived i mean before i got too old to do that but she used to run circles around the yard for no okay. good reason <laughs> your pit your pits want to run around too i mean they they like i mean they like to play too like any medium medium to big sized dog likes to run around maybe not a greyhound or something like that but i think a greyhound's kind of built around dude Huh? I think greyhounds are kind of built to run. They are, but they don't like it. 
don't they? <laughs> no, they seriously, uh, greyhounds are very shy and they don't really like exercise. <laughs> huh. Well, that's a new one. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just assume. But yes, they are built to run very fast for a short amount of time. Yeah. I mean, that, just look at the way their butt sticks up and stuff. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, if I ever get another, uh, dog, I'm taking that thing everywhere I go. I'm going to be that annoying person. You're going to have it like at the con and everything? Oh, yeah. I was talking to, uh, you've worked with Megan Levins, right? Sure. Yeah, she, her, her dog Bones died this week. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. And, uh, when Ninja died, she did a little portrait for me. So I did, I did the same thing for her. I did a little cartoon of Bones. Hmm. It was, he's, he's a Boston, so he had a little smush face and he had one eye because he was old and that happens to the bug eyes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was cool. I wish I got to meet him. And she was saying that, uh, uh, she's gonna, uh, take her dog to shows. Well, if you can, you might as well, right? Yeah, I was like, man, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna get, like. Where would you walk him to poop, though? Oh, uh, you can go. They have, though. We have, they have areas. Do they? I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think, like, around the convention center. I guess, I guess you could just take it outside to a tree or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I would, yeah, I'm going to get that, what is that, uh, um, uh, 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 what do you call them, assistance animal status. How hard is that to get? I don't know. <laughs> uh, what do they sure. call it? Buy a vest that says it. Companion animals or something? Uh, a support animal. That's my, it. My emotional support animal. Is that like having a spirit animal? Um, I don't think so. I think a spirit animal is a, a totem, for a lack of a better word, right? It's supposed to be like your... Um, it's like a, a metaphysical representation or something like that. Yeah, it's sort of like a spiritual guide, too, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I've heard... People say that it's an offensive term now. Spirit animal? Yeah. Huh. I mean, that it's usually white people saying it, so I don't know if it's actually a thing. But <clears throat> Maybe it's a, another representation of cultural appropriation, but I don't really know. That's another whole discussion. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've I mean, had a discussion with Julie, who's a lot more to the... She's way more left-leaning... Which is weird to say because I don't consider myself anywhere but left, but she makes me look like a goddamn fascist. <laughs> um, I just, but yeah, I, 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 I've had the discussion with her about like what I, you know, cultural appropriation and what I consider cultural celebration. And, you know, a lot of people get, you know, out of sorts about it, so. I guess it's, I, I mean, I don't know, you know, because it's one of those things where I just can't imagine any cultures that interact with each other not taking parts of what they like from the other culture. 
Right. I mean, there. That, that's what I mean. It, it, it's one of those things where I think the stuff that you hear that's bad is usually the like the small percentage of people that are just looking to be angry about stuff. But I mean, I can you know there are to me there are cases of stuff where that are seen pretty obvious. Like you shouldn't probably use like somebody's religious stuff for like fashion purposes or something. But that happens all the time too. You know. I mean, how many times do you see a Catholic cross on somebody that just wearing it for a fashion statement or something? You know. Oh yeah, it's it. It really is a, a what it is that you're. It, it 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 feels like it's less about the actual thing and more about the argument. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, sometimes people just want to get bent out of shape, or they want to make a point, or whatever. Yeah, I agree. But uh, anyway. here's a test. Here's a test. Uh, village people. <laughs> Ridiculous. I mean, but is that cultural appropriation? I think there could be a technical case made for that. Yes, but I I think so as well. But at the same time, I don't think that was their point. I think they were just trying to be ridiculous. Yes, but it's still inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. By today's standard. Well, yeah, definitely. I, and I, I, but then that's another thing is context, you know? Yes. Because even the village people eventually stopped wearing that stuff for, like, while they were still making albums. And then they picked it back up again when they, you know, went back on tour or whatever. <laughs> but. Well, of course they weren't wearing it in the studio. Is that no, what you were saying? <laughs> no, I'm saying when they made when they put out albums. I have a Village People album that doesn't have them in that costumes and those costumes. Oh, okay. They were just wearing like a bunch of leather or something. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Well, of course. So for a while, at least, that was their image. Like they dropped the mixed whatever. I mean, you know, I'm actually trying to think of what the only ones I can remember were the Indian guy and the uh, the hard hat guy. And I, I don't think the hard hat guys. The one we're talking about. Nobody's complaining about somebody wearing a biker outfit. But isn't that? But there's the biker. There's the construction worker. There's a the sailor? police. A policeman. There is, there's a sailor. I think there is. There a sailor? No, I think it was a policeman. Yeah, policeman. There's a cowboy, and then there's an Indian, Native American. Yes. <laughs> I um I usually say uh native or first uh, first nation or first people I think I don't say first people or something like so that. It makes me sound like I'm talking about something I know and I don't. I, I just but I mean the terminology changes now and then anyway and I I don't I don't know what it is currently cuz for a while it was okay to be an Indian again. Uh I know uh, yeah, I know. I've heard lots of native people say Indian, and it always bothers me. <laughs> but it's not my thing, so. I mean, I think the BIA is still called the BIA, isn't it? The uh, Bureau of uh, Indian yeah, Affairs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's used in lots of, um, lots of uh, uh, actual, like official stuff. Like, yeah. Because <clears throat> I, I thought I don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't really know, and it's just every once in a while I'll see a new term and I go, okay. 
Um, and I, I try to remember it, but if I don't use it enough, I don't remember it, you know? Mm-hmm. I go back to, revert back to the things I remember instead. But, yeah, I don't know, man. Because, I mean, that's... I guess him being dressed up in full-on, like, ceremonial feathers and stuff is probably going too far. Like, if he was just dressed up like a brave or something... I don't know. I don't know. I don't see the difference. Why does rank matter? Well, no, I'm, I'm trying to, like, because the one thing is a ceremonial thing. You know? Yeah. It's, it's related to their religion. So you, so you draw the line at religion, even though you're not religious, but you think that that's the thing that should be, uh. Well, I mean, it was, was it, I guess it was cultural appropriation when people started, came to America and started wearing buckskins because they saw the Indians wearing them. But that was a practical matter. That didn't have anything to do with religion or anything. That was just the way people were dressing, you know? Those, yeah, those were clothes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> well, if, you know, it's not like nobody's. If the guy in YMCA <laughs> was. If the guy in YMCA was just wearing buckskins or something, then you know that's a, that's a, that's another uh, that's a that's another. Uh, I mean, that would be a matter for the point. That's an interesting point. Are is it by the benefit of our our of where we are in the world now as a modern society that we have so little to worry about that we because back in the day. He would. He was like, "Hey, what are those guys wearing? Let's make that." Yeah, I mean, they're like, "You can't copy me. That's insensitive." That that is a relatively recent thing. And is that worldwide or is that just America? I don't know. No, I think people are sensitive to stuff all over. Um. And I mean, I, it's, it's good to be sensitive about stuff. I, I don't know if everything like I can't. I can't tell other people what should be important to them. You know, abs- right? Right. I'm just. I'm stating this from my standpoint as sort of a disinterested third party. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to me that that like I can understand interfering with like deep cultural religious type stuff or meaningful stuff. But if it's just the way somebody dresses. Uh, again, cultures cultures trade shit all the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But and I don't know that. Uh, Would you say again? Context has to be a thing because I don't think okay. the guy in YMCA was meaning it to be a, a offensive or insulting. You know. No, in fact, you could say that they were they were essentially. Uh, uh, Lampooning stereotypes. I would think. I mean, that's part of what the, you know, but again, I, I you know, I can't tell you, tell somebody else what should be important to them. You know, like I can tell you what's important to you. No. Uh, would you say that there is a general rule across the board, or it has to be a case by case basis? I don't know. I mean, geez. Was it? I don't know. Like, okay, did did you approve or disapprove of when like um, Sinead O'Connor started ripping up the Bible? 
she didn't. She ripped up a picture of the Pope. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. Ripping up a picture of the Pope. Yeah. But I, that, that's, not really uh, make, that's not really making my point. Hold on. No, I did not care. And in fact, I did not understand why everybody else did. And this is somebody, I mean, if I had a religion, it would have been Catholic because that's the only well, church we ever belong to. And that's, like I said, that's not actually making my point anyway because that's not really appropriating culture. She was making a statement about the, right. the what the church was allowing. Yes, she didn't appropriate her culture. Right. Um trying to think, like, 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 not that I, you know, celebrate it or really even acknowledge it, but I've got, like, Irish ancestry. Should I be getting pissed off about St. Patty's Day parades? No, because... They they celebrate it over there too. Like you know, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, well, no, for one thing, no, I shouldn't in particular because, like I said, I don't even acknowledge it or or celebrate my heritage in any way like that to begin with. You know, so like for me personally, that's not something I should be like taking umbrage at because if I did, I would just be doing it to be an asshole kind of thing. You know, you don't have any culture. Um, I guess my culture's on the skids. <laughs> I get it. But, I, you know, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a complicated a complicated question without a clear-cut black-and-white answer. Absolutely. Sometimes it's interesting to discuss it just to see, like, different perspectives on it. Um, no. I, I try not to... Only my opinion matters. I try not to knowingly do things that I think will make other people feel bad, but there's sometimes you just can't help it. Because <laughs> um, that's mostly because, like, I don't like feeling bad, so why would I want to make somebody else feel bad? If you make somebody feel bad and they're still nice to you, that means uh, that... Uh, they have to buy you breakfast. No, that means they're the kind of friend that I need. Oh. But like, so I don't, I don't know, man. I'm going to ask you a question, though. And it's, it's only got one right answer. Are you ready? No. Alright, well, I'm going anyway. Mike, why are we here? Because we're here! Roll the bones! Correct, sir. You got the answer correct. I did it. I, uh, I I was listening. I went ahead and marathoned like I don't know third and fourth stage rush. I guess third and fourth stage. Well, I mean, if you listen to them from start to finish, they've gone through several stages in their music. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. So, like, you know, I'm considering second stage to be like uh, probably ends around hemispheres or so, maybe, or no, probably farewell to kings. Okay. I'm guessing, because, well, no, is that is that first stage or second stage? That's the problem. I think that might actually be second stage, because they, they weren't quite as, although the first two albums would be first stage, probably. And then starting with the third album, they were in second stage, and then probably like Farewell to Kings and Hemispheres are probably third or fourth stage. And then by the time you get to stuff like Power Windows and that, that's a, that's a whole different kind of thing, you know? There's too many stages. 
which, funnily enough, you know, one of their live albums was called Stages. But, um, but I, I was listening to, like, later stage stuff, starting with, what did I start with? I think I cherry-picked some stuff like Farewell to Kings and Hemispheres, and then I didn't start listening to, I, I guess it was with Moving Pictures, probably. I started listening to whole albums. And I'll, you know, I'll tell you something, man. Much as I love Rush, and I consider them one of my favorite bands, I'm not, like, a super Rush fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this. I know we've talked about it in context with other stuff, too. But, like, definitely with Rush, there are songs that I don't remember a minute after I've heard them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I feel like that with every band, though. Yeah, yeah. And they're, I mean, and it's like, there's nothing particularly wrong with them. They just don't grab me. Like, Yeah. And even sometimes, like, uh, on Power Windows, generally I only think about, let's see, what is on Power Big Money? Is that on Power Windows? That is on... Yeah, So usually that will be the song, the one song I think of when I think of Power Windows. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't ever remember the rest of it. And so I was listening to it the other day. I'm like, you know, this is a good album. And in fact, the song Marathon has got a fantastic chorus to it. I was going to say Marathon. Yeah, the chorus on Marathon is awesome. It's just the rest of the song is not all that memorable to me. I was thinking about this. Because of songwriting. Mm-hmm. And you write songs, right? And you got to write a lot of them. Not necessarily. But that's the thing, right? So when a band comes up with an album, mm-hmm. always hear about them writing like twice as many songs and then whittling it down. I now, Think about the songs that you don't like on an album. And think about how many more worse songs there are that they made. I don't think every band does that, though. That sounds a little bit like the like when I was in um, commercial art in high school, and, and the teachers kept making us do twenty thumbnails per project and then whittling it down. That sounds like a thing that's taught to people, mm. not necessarily a universal actual thing. Because mm. I specifically, I remember reading about like Blue Oyster Cult's albums. A lot of times, they would have to come up with something extra to fill out the album space, um, like at the last minute, because they they needed to fill out an extra five minutes or something, you know. Mm. So they'd do a cover or whatever, you know. Um, so I, I yeah, I don't think all bands write more than they record. That theory sounds sound to me, though. I'm sure some do. Like, uh, I mean, I, I definitely heard, like, say, the Beatles, for instance, would write so much that they were giving songs away to, like, the Rolling Stones and stuff. Like, because they had just such an excess of material. <laughs> hmm. But, um, that, much as I like the Beatles, I don't, I don't 100% like the Beatles either. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, I mean, really, that's any band, you know. But I was, I was looking up. So as I, as I was going through the whole back into the Rush catalog and I, I was trying to figure out why I because I, pretty much I dropped off after Roll the Bones and I I mean that that's fair and even Roll the Bones I don't remember a lot of unless I'm listening to it and then it comes back to me. Um, right. The last one I can say I really remember remember was Presto and that's one of my probably two favorite. Rush albums that I can listen to all the way through and think it's aces all the way through. Yeah, Rush, Presto, and Roll the Bones. 
Uh, Presto, for me, it's Presto and Moving Pictures are the two albums that I think are fantastic front to back. Um, and, and again, that's not that the rest of them are... Presto, really? Yeah, Presto, I really like Presto. And that could be just because I was a, at the right age when it came out that it hit me right. Superconductor on Presto? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a good album. And like Red Tide? And, yeah, a lot of poppy-sounding songs. That's what I start... Th- you know, that's definitely another stage of theirs, which probably actually started with Hold Your Fire, I'm going to guess. Um, but, um, yeah, Presto, like, Available Light, I mean, that's, like, a real, that's a weird, awesome song. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, I was listening and going through, and I'm like, you know, like, there's nothing wrong with these albums, I just never remember stuff, like Counterparts and stuff. Counterparts seem very... Counterparts is okay, it's not... Lyrically, it's... it seemed very, um, uh, current topics kind of thing. Yes. As opposed, because it's weird, like, again, starting probably around Hold Your Fire, there's a definite lyrical shift that goes on, where there's, like, actual love songs and stuff now, mm. or songs about love or whatever. Although, I, I guess you could argue Entre New was sort of a love song, and that was way back on, like, Hemispheres. But, mm. um, like, so, yeah, you get the counterparts and there's stuff like... Uh, I think it was on. It was either Counterparts or Test for Echo. Where I can't remember what the exact lyrics were, but it, it had. It was basically talking about sex, <laughs> like mm. between you and me, there is no friction or something like that. You know. Um, but with Counterparts, I'm like, well, this you know, this isn't bad or anything. But then again, like immediately as soon as I moved on to the next album, I couldn't remember anything off of Counterparts. Uh, Counterparts was the last thing I remember anything of theirs. So everything after Counterparts, I'm not really super into. Yeah, like Test for Echo wasn't bad. I, I just none of it grabs me. Um, was there one in between Test for Echo and Vapor Trails? Do not know, man. I can't remember. But the next one I can remember now is, is Vapor Trails. And Vapor Trails was, for Rush, what... Um, Saint Anger was for Metallica, I guess. <laughs> like super squashed and really like harsh on the ears after you've listened to it for a while, you know. Uh, apparently, the, a couple years ago or something, they went back and remixed it and made it not so squashy. <laughs> but I, I went because I was like, "Is this just my ears?" I'm listening to that album. I'm going like, "Is this just my ears or something?" And this is where I realized that I'm not a super Rush fan, because I made the mistake of going to a Rush message board to look up information. Yeah, and you don't go anywhere for the fan. <laughs> well, that's that where makes, I... That makes, you know, they, the, 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 t- <laughs> the time of getting something useful and rewarding out of, out of hanging out with other <laughs> people of like minds is... Long gone. You can't do that anymore. <laughs> well, I didn't do it on purpose. That's just where the search led me because I was trying to find yeah. out. Like, I, I was typing in search terms like, you know, Rush, well, Vapor Trail, Squashed, and it led me to a, a Rush message board. You know? Let's correct that. You can't go online. Like, you can meet with other people that like Rush and not want to throttle them. But when they're online, it'll make you hate the thing that you love. Well, this was definitely the thread about Vapor Trails that I wound up on was 
something else, dude. Mm-hmm. It made some of the, the worst of the comic book discussions I've ever heard just yeah. seem pretty polite, you know? Yeah, I... You Holy know, crap, I, that was a divisive album for Rush fans. Like, even after the remakes, it was still a divisive album for Rush fans. The, the, so... And that was a heavy album. That was actually a pretty good album. Like, the, So the, this is music, and we're talking about how toxic and terrible, like, uh, the, the comic book discourse... You know, they don't even really have message boards now. It's, I guess it's like all Reddit. Reddit's our message boards now. Makes sense. And, and uh, yeah, I forgot what that kind of interaction was like. Oh, man. And so, you know, uh, on Facebook and, and, and uh, I've, I've, I've gotten on these like guitar setup kind of groups and stuff and I'll go and I'll look in there or if you like you're talking about you do a search and it takes you to a message board and then you're like oh everyone's like this and not only are they like they're still like this yeah well this I'm, like I didn't know people were on message boards anymore it's, <laughs> it's like you go there and you're just like the it, it doesn't even as long it, some, one person will start the thread and it's like a race to the second second uh, post so that you can insult the first person. Yeah. Like all in a race to tell the person that posted what a dumbass they are. You are wrong, sir. <laughs> like, it's not even that polite, though. And, and, and it's like, these are people that are asking, cause this happened a lot when I, you know, I was doing, uh, like I'd type in a search term about like a, a Logic Pro thing or, uh, guitar stuff where I'm just like, RTFM, I just, dumbass. I just want to know, I gotta find out I, if I could not talk to a person, I would, but I, I've gotta go into the world and ask other people. It's, but they they just want to tell you how, what an idiot you are for even asking that question. Why didn't you read the manual? Yeah. That's the biggest that, thing, RTFM. <laughs> it's like, well, why are you here talking if you're not trying to help people, you dumbass? Like, that's, yeah. that's what I feel like saying when I see people act like that. Yeah, it really is. And I do, I enjoy, because I feel like, I mean, a lot of the... Um, like the video podcasts I watch on YouTube or a lot of the guitar stuff, it's, they, it, it's kind of refreshing. And I, I'm saying this as an old man now. <laughs> I'm looking at these things and it, it, there seems to be like an attitude of inclusivity now with a lot of these, like, like, especially like the guitar. If it's not on a message board, like if it, like the YouTube, people mm-hmm. they're all about like there are no dumb questions kind of thing and i'm like that that's cool i don't feel like uh an embarrassed old man that can't play yeah i mean i suppose it's where you where you choose to view stuff yeah because yeah. like if you were going on 4chan forget it <laughs> well nobody people don't go on there do they well it's, Is that a thing still, still? it's still a thing yeah and I, I mean, even Reddit varies from group to group, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've been on some. I've been on some. Like I've read some pretty vicious Reddit stuff. 
Yeah, Reddit's like the closest to what we used to experience with like the Warren Ellis message boards or I tell you man, when I moderated shit, I tried to keep it civil as possible. Like if I saw people acting up, I'd I'd boot them. <laughs> you know? like the Joe message boards. Yeah. That was back in the Would you have would you have eventually when it came to it have to would you have booted me? If I had kept going down the path I was going, it depended. I guess it depended on how far you took it. Would it have been a Would it have been like a U.S. Marshals situation? What, or, I, I stomped or, down your door and were the fugitive? Were you chasing me down a waterfall? It might be, yeah. You know, mm. except that I, I, you'd have to be going down something where you could skate because you were roller destro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like I, you know, I since I knew who you were and, and what it was, and I knew what you were doing was harmless, I didn't really worry about it because I friend against friend. You know, I figured it was just fun. But <sighs> but I mean, there were I, you know occasionally there would be some major a holes pop up, and I'd have to bounce them. And I didn't have a problem doing that because it's not not a freedom of speech issue. We were running a business. You know, <laughs> you were in my house talking shit, so I you know I have the right to kick you out. Kind of thing. You're in my heels. It's like, you know, I mean, this is my bar, motherfucker. Get the fuck out. You're in my bar. The fun thing, though, would be uh, the message board system we used had a thing called Techie Goes to Coventry. And what? Uh, basically what it was is you'd, it's what they call silent banning now. Mm. And um, this was just back before that became the adopted term. Shadow banning. Shadow banning or whatever. But, yeah, basically you'd make it so that they... They didn't know they were not being seen or read by anybody else, so they could do whatever they wanted, and nobody would ever see it. You know, but you weren't outright kicking them off either. I love that. Um, which basically, I, I did that if I thought they were volatile enough to just keep signing up over and over again, because mm-hmm. that would buy me some time and let them cool down. And then, you know, once I thought they cooled down, I'd let them back into the ecosystem. Kind of thing. It was all very much cool. a social experiment. <laughs> hmm? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all very social experimenty. But I mean, eventually, and that's the thing is, eventually, I was the one that made the call to shut the board down because <laughs> it was getting beyond the point where it was like it wasn't fun anymore, you know. <laughs> And people, it was getting harder and harder just to get, like, keep people civil to each other. And to us, for that matter. Like, man, they love pick on us. We were ruining their G.I. Joe. Darn it. But, anyway. I, uh. So, yeah, and then, so Vapor Trails actually wasn't a very bad album. Like, I don't really remember anything specific off of it now, but I, I remember a general tone, and I liked it, kind of thing. And then there was um, two more albums after that, but I don't remember. The last one was Clockwork Angels. Yeah. I can't remember what was between them now, though. Snakes and Arrows, that's what it was. Which I can't really talk about, because again, I don't remember anything off of it. I will say, I actually... I can't say I disliked... Clockwork Angels, but when I was listening to it, I was bored. 
it wasn't even that it like wasn't going to stick with me. I was like kind of actively bored while I was listening. I had to make myself finish it. Mm. Um, again, I, it, nothing wrong with the talent or anything on it. That's just I didn't like any of it, you know. <laughs> and that that's okay, man, because they they've made enough music I love that I don't I don't really care. And, and at that point in their career, I mean, it's like you're rush. You ain't got nothing to prove to me. <laughs> True. So, yeah, it does kind of make me want one of those Tech Twenty One Getty Lee pedals, though. I really what like like do? its sound. Say what? What does it do? It, uh, if I understand it right, there's like several different versions. Like, but I think essentially they all try to accomplish the same thing, which is give you that Getty Lee sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, adds a little bit of dirt and stuff up onto the upper EQ type of thing, but keeps the lower end stuff cleaner. Somehow it does, I guess, sort of some sort of EQ split in there. And um, and then blends them at the output. But that way your, your real low end stuff's not distorted. Um, and then, you know, there's like some EQ functions and stuff in there, like built onto these. Because there's, there's a rack mount unit and then a couple of different versions of pedals. Mm. Um... But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I've got this old rack mount unit that I've had like since mid early mid nineties, something like that. Mm-hmm. That was a uh, art uh, applied research and technology. It was a Syracuse, New York company, I think. But they um, they had these SGX rack mount units that were mm-hmm. just had everything in them. You know, it's like your boss amp back in 1992. Yeah. Or nine, actually, I think they started making them in like 90 or 91. But anyway, so it's this double unit rack mount thing. And I'm like, well, I've got a base one that actually I can do a, um, a biamp thing where I can split the signal at a certain frequency and send all the low stuff out one input and all the high stuff out another input. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe I should mess around with that and try to do accomplish the same thing with what I've already got instead of buying new stuff, you know? Or I, I suppose I could use a... I've got an AB switch, like an ABY switch. I suppose I could just split my signal into two chains and have one for like high end and one for low end. Throw an EQ on there to separate out the, the, the bandwidth. Hmm. But again, there's something to be said for like something that accomplishes what I wanted to do like in one compact unit. Without me having to do a string of cables and pedals and you know power adapters and whatever. Kind of the same theory as like why you like your your boss amp because it's all there. You don't mm-hmm. have to mess with mm-hmm. a bunch of different stuff. So yeah, I don't know. I don't really think I'm gonna buy the Getty Lee thing because I'm just kind of trying not to acquire new stuff for a while. And it's hard because I see stuff that I want that sounds cool that I like, and I'm like, ooh, I can get that. I'm like, no, I shouldn't. I really shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I it, I don't usually have that problem with like pedals and stuff. And usually, if it is equipment, I'm like, well, I should learn how to play the thing first. Right. Oh, I did see an awesome like bluish Fender thing. I was going to send you a link to the other day, but no more. <laughs> it was this really cool Strat, man. But it was like thirty five hundred bucks. Thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah. No. It had an awesome paint job on it. It was some sort of guitar center um, 
special deal. Guitar Center special? It was something like like a Crossroads Anniversary or something. Oh, the new one? Yeah. That they are they're like the money forms going to help the the Crossroads Foundation that Clapton set up that some sort of charitable organization you think or something around. Yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm being really like accurately descriptive here, aren't I? Let me see if I can find it. Oh, here you it is. About this one with the blue pick guard? Yeah, and the weird, like, paint job? I don't like that. Well, they have another one that's just, like, kind of a... Not quite an electric blue, but, like, a dark, metallic-y looking blue. Oh, yeah. That's also a Clapton one, I think. I like that one with the weird paint job, though, man. That, that looks cool to me. And that weird light blue pick guard on it and stuff. I don't like it. That first one, the blue one, uh, that I have that guitar. It's just not that one. I, my 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 main guitar that I play is a blue um, Strat. Ah, okay. And it looks just like that. Oh. Why so blue, Mike? And I I like it because I li- I like pl- I like the way strats feel. Yeah, I mean they're they're a well balanced guitar. Yeah, they, they work sitting. They work with a strap. And I do like that single coil sound, but it doesn't really. If you're trying to play something that's not single coil, it's it's uh it's thin, a little thin, and. I mean, I don't know. You can get pretty heavy still with a single coil. I mean, Brian May's guitars were all single coil, or at least most of them, or most of the ones that were on albums. I think were single coils, especially once he started doing that one that he made. He's only had the one that he made. I thought there was a. Didn't he play a Les Paul for a while? Oh, he may have played them. He may have played other guitars, but that guitar that he has that they've made. Signatures of is his handmade one, right? But uh, and that's like three single coils, I think, in it or four single coils. It's got like a bunch of them, but they're all single coil pickups. You're a single coil pickup. Harsh and jangly. That's me. I really like the sound of P90s. I don't have a P90 guitar. And and those weird whatever they are is that they put in like the J Masters style um, Jaguars, Jazz Masters, Jazz Masters. Sorry, yeah, um, which are yeah, like, those are they're I think they're Jazz Master pickups. Well, everybody I, thinks they're P nineties, but they're not. They're, I, I read up on it though; they're not strictly a Jazz Master pickup, and they're not quite a P ninety either. But they're coiled like a P ninety, but they're flatter yeah. than a P ninety. Yeah, but um, I've got at least I'm. You know, if the guy was telling me the truth, the Squire Jazzmaster that I've got mm-hmm. had had those J Masses pickups swapped into it. Oh, so it's like guitar. So it, and, and I really like the sound of that guitar. It's got this. It's not quite as thin sounding as a, a straight up single coil, hmm. but it's also still got that jangly quality to it. I'd like to play the guitar. It's pretty nice. I, I like it. I don't play it enough, I don't think, but... Wait, I forget, were you... 
Are you a Maple fan or a Rosewood fan? I have both. You, ha- you used to have a preference, though. I like Maple. Okay. It is a Maple. Mm. You don't see a lot of Jazz Masters with Maple Nights. This was one of their ones, um, late, I'm trying to think of when it was, like mid-2000s maybe, like the Vintage Modified line from Squire, mm. when they were going like weird stuff. It doesn't have, uh, it's got like a normal pickup selection instead of having it up towards the top horn. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have like the slider switches, it's just normal rocker. Mm-hmm. And then it's got a fixed hardtail, it doesn't have like a tremolo system or anything in it. Mm. So it's, you know, kind of like a hardtail, more or less a hardtail Strat, I guess, but with like those weirder pickups in them. I've never tried any of those uh, Fender wide range pickups. I've never played anything with those in them. Cunife? I guess. I mean, I, I think that's one of the styles that they made as a reissue, but I think they make them, you can buy them with like ceramic and stuff too. Uh, my, my, um... They sound interesting to me. I just don't know how they feel. I've never played one before. My my Tele Custom has one in the bridge. No, that's a Shaw Booker. Eh, never mind. I've never played a Kunafe. I like. I just like those weird how the you know they got the pole pieces are on opposite sides of the pickup. Yeah. For the top and bottom like set. <laughs> I just think that's like kind of an interesting idea because it seems like that with um. Although I I would you know you think I they were. Wanna- I'm sorry. I wanted to get the they Squire just put out like a Esquire Deluxe, and it has one of those pickups. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's only like four hundred something dollars. But I don't really, I don't want to spend any money on guitars. Right, right. That's that's what I keep telling myself. Like when I see something I want, I'm like, oh, hey, this looks no. <laughs> just stop. Put a put a tamper on it. Yeah. Mm. Or damper. Tamp down on it? That's what I mean to say. Put a lid on it. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah. There's my guilty confession. I'm not a super Rush fan, like. I mean, I don't. I, by that standard, I don't. I wouldn't say I am then. But I mean, what's a fan? I don't know. You like them a lot. Would you wear a Rush t shirt? I have worn Rush t shirts. Congratulations, you're a fan. I saw them live twice. Unfortunately, See, I haven't seen them live twice. I've seen them once. Unfortunately, that was during a period of time when they were doing medleys of their older stuff. I hate medleys, Mike. I, but they've, 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 done, they've still, well, they did do medleys up till the end. Did they? Yeah. I hate medleys, Mike. That's what happens when you have like 40 years of material. You have to at some point. Yeah, but that's... That's almost worse than just not playing something that you want, or not hearing something that you want to hear. Only hearing like a few seconds of it. (laughs) That's like a tease that doesn't actually deliver on its promise. I, you know what? A much younger me would have agreed with you. But I, I don't, I have come around on my opinion of medleys. Bah. Not melodies, but medleys. I don't like medleys, Mike. Well, that's fine. Don't play me no fucking medleys. Well, I'm going to play some medleys. Now you can play me some metal, Ease. 
Metal ease. That's it's kind of like sounds a sounds like something bad. <laughs> Metal ease. Sounds like a like a Teflon lubricant. Smooth move, Metal ease. <laughs> Metal ease. Oh, who's this Metal ease chick? <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> Metal ease. Metal ease. Smooth move. <laughs> oh, there's something else I was going to tell you. I uh, so I I decided to read the Alan Dean Foster uh, what a movie adaptation of the thing. Okay. And I start thinking about it, I'm like, my God, Alan Dean Foster is like the king of movie adaptations or something, <laughs> or movie adaptations into books, novels, because he's done like so many of them. What do you mean, dude? He like. He's written like a billion of them. I'm I'm exaggerating there. It's it's not literally a billion. Billion? But he's done tons of them. A billion? For movies you'd recognize. But the interesting thing about this thing was, okay, so from what I gather, especially these older adaptations, um they were timing them to be concurrent with the movie release, so they'd have the book on the shelf at the same time. And um so the writer would be working from the not the shooting script necessarily, but from the the original script script. Like before the director starts changing stuff on set and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they're not always the same as what's in the movies. Oh, right. Yeah, sure. I know. There's like uh, stuff in there that's like not in the movie, you know? Yeah. Um, Bat, uh, Bat, Batman uh, novelization of the movies like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was probably the same thing, like where they were working off an early script. Yeah. So like, in, it's like a, a horseback chase in the original Batman movie. <laughs> Which okay, yeah, I can probably see why they cut that. Right? <laughs> like, um, but in the Thing movie, like, there's some significant differences. There's like one scene where, um, oh, the guy at the end, it was Mac and Childs, right? Those were the two that were left at the yes. end of the movie. Yes. Okay, so Mac Childs and one of the other guys, there's a scene where they, um, it's after where all the dogs get infected. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after that, after they kill off the thing that the dogs become or whatever, there's still some dogs that weren't uh, infected, supposedly, like as far as they know. And they go missing in the middle of the night, so Mac Childs and one of the other guys take off on snowmobiles after them. And there's this whole big chase scene where they're chasing down these dogs and they wind up having to fight this monster that's half underground because it, like, crawled into a, an ice Oh, wait. Bit. I think I saw a thing that they were going to film that. Oh, really? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I never knew anything about that until I read this book. I'm like, hey, this didn't happen in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And there, there's a bunch of, like, there's stuff that happened in the movie that wasn't in the book either. Like, the, um, when they're doing the cardiac arrest scene and the chest opens up and grabs a dude and then the, the head grows legs and crawls around. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not in the book. I mean, the the scene where they're trying to bring back the guy with the cardiac arrest thing is, and I think he still turns into a monster, but there's no the there's no big chomping chest thing and there's no um, head with legs running around. So, like, stuff like that. And it, I thought that was really interesting. I'm like, hey, you know, that sounds cool. But then I got an idea. But I don't, I don't know if you're going to like it. So I'm trying to decide whether I should do something about it first and then show it to you. So that there's something to look at. So it's not just me telling you something. I don't know. I'm kind of 
kind of chewing on that one. What is it? Well, I thought... All right. What if we... Alan Dean Foster the shit out of Battle Pug? What do you mean? Do a... Basically, okay, what I'm thinking is, is do a prose adaptation of the, the first five years. Do it in... <laughs> Do it, but do it in the form of light novels, which I don't think technically, if it, unless it's made in Japan, it can be a light novel. But light novels are essentially like YA books with uh, occasional illustrations in them, and they're they're usually about they're not like super long; they're a couple hundred pages, like maybe sixty thousand, seventy thousand words. But um, but I was thinking if you put out something like that, you could maybe actually get it in the bookstores as a book. Not bookstores, but like libraries and bookstores and stuff, you know? And that might be a way to revive some interest in Battle Pug. You don't think there's any interest in Battle Pug? I'm just saying, like, if you get it in, like, a book, that kind of expands the franchise. You know what I'm saying? And you might be, you know, I mean, the the public, you know, comic publishers are always trying to get stuff in to the book market now. Well, they have been forever, but like they seem to be kind of more focused on it in the past few years. Mm-hmm. So like if you got something that was an easier sell because it actually is a book as opposed to being a graphic novel or something, mm-hmm. then it might be like easier to get something into the book market like that. And then if people are reading that, then, then that might carry over to like a renewed interest in the early work and in the ongoing work. You know what I'm saying? I think you have a point. It's just a matter of actually like writing it out because it is prose. It's not just writing a script or something. You know? I can't write. And that's where I'm saying, like, I, I thought about bringing that to you as like a, well, what if I do up a few chapters and then just show it to you and see? What oh, you, you were gonna write. Well, that's a way, good way to keep costs down. I mean, you gonna hire somebody else to write prose? <laughs> you know? I see. I see. I see. I see. I mean, maybe Rafer can do it. Can he write prose? But he still probably wouldn't work as cheap as I would. Because <laughs> you a cheap-ass hoe. I'd work on back end and stuff. You know? Yeah, you would. <laughs> I'd smack it, flip it, and rub it down. Oh, no! <laughs> anyway, reading Alan Dean novel books is what... Alan Dean novel... Alan Dean Foster books is what inspired that idea. So that's how I got there. Okie dokie, smokey. Because after I read the thing, I moved on into his Spellsinger series, which I haven't read in a long time. And that's... That's a weird thing where the first two books are basically one book. And that's not weird, but, like... And they're fairly straightforward, or straightforward, like a fantasy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then, when you get into the third book, the third book reads like a... Like an adventure video game, kind of almost. You've got an overarching goal that you're trying to get to, but then all these little side things keep coming up that you have to take care of along the way, kind of thing. And it's it's funnier than the first two books. And it, the sub- subsequent books after that also kind of maintain a certain tone and humor to them. So they become something more than just your standard fantasy fair. Fantasy fair. That's like a Ren fair. There used to be a place here called Fantasy Farm. Fantasy Farm? 
Yeah, it was like a petting zoo slash, I don't know what you call it. It was right next to an amusement park called Americana. And uh, and it was fun. It was like the poor man's King's Island, I guess. Oh, weird. And it was real cheap to get in, so we'd go there a lot because we didn't have a lot of money, you know. And it didn't have a whole bunch of uh, super rides. It had like a, a tiny roller coaster and this old-fashioned train thing that would go around the park into like the old west town and stuff like that. Um, and it had like a big lake, Moonlight, Moonlight Lake? I can't remember what that was called. But it was a, and then that lake had a, what do you call those things? Like the uh, the chairs on cables. Not like a kind of like a ski lift, but they don't go up and down. They go out and around. You know what I'm talking about? They go out and around. Yeah, well, they're not like to go up and down a mountain. They're like to go out over something and and bring you back around again. It's a gondola. Okay, but they're like open. You know, you're sitting in them with your feet just swinging. Mm-hmm. It's not like the gondolas like that have windows and stuff that. Come into like a car, but they had one of those that would go out over this pond lake thing that they had as the center attraction. But they had like a boardwalk, and I remember when I was a kid, there was remember the games where you throw darts at balloons, mm-hmm. and like this one was for iron-on patches. So whatever patch was behind the balloon that you hit, that's what you'd win. Mm, but you, it bounces off them. Um. I think it was just they were spread out enough it was hard enough to get to them or something. But it, uh, I remember I won a Black Sabbath iron on there. And I was like, I was like a kid. Boys. Seven or eight or something like that. So I, I didn't really know what to do with it. It had like a pentagram on it and some demon coming up out of the smoke from the candles. It was a really cool image and I've never really seen that again. I wish I still had the iron on. I'd put it on a shirt and wear it now. Well, actually I wouldn't because I don't wear band shirts anymore. But. Like, that's a conscious decision? I just sort of stopped wearing any kind of shirt with print on it. Really? Yeah. So even the shirt I made of you, you wouldn't wear. You made a shirt of me? Yes. Really? Yeah. When'd that happen? Uh, When I put it on Tala in our comic book. I made the damn thing. You made that shirt? The the one with the little anime face of you? Yeah. Huh. That's weird. I, I wear it all the time. Do you? Yeah. That's weird, I dude. I thought it was in the store. I don't... Is it not? Is it not? I don't... I, I, I know you had a store. I didn't know we had a store. <laughs> oh, no. It's not... No, not the Crankcast store, but the Battlepug store. Battlepug.threatless.com. I don't know. Let me look. I thought it was. Maybe I didn't make it public or something. No, it's not up there. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> I just want to make stuff. Yeah. Um. Oh, look. Rock God's t-shirt. Yep, there's Rock God's t-shirts. There. No, and I forgot about the Chris Make t-shirt, which we were just talking about not that long ago because you didn't know if you should keep it up there. Yeah. Yeah. I should uh, maybe take it. Somebody bought it, though. I thought for sure it was you. No. Oh, somebody bought one right after I said that nobody's bought one. Oh. Maybe it was Julie's just being nice. 
No, Julie is not watching or or listening to our show. I should hope not. She has more sense than that. Where's her? But um, yeah, I don't what? know. That's some crank shirt is not up there. I did not put a crank shirt up there. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That just at some point, I decided to stop wearing printed T-shirts or graphic T-shirts, rather, or whatever. Hmm. And pretty much, I only just I only wear black, plain black T-shirts these days. Really? So you're like, uh, like, uh, I'm like Steve Jobs with less collar. Yes, Steve Jobs. Yeah. Or Mark Zuckerberg only wears black T-shirts, doesn't he? Don't compare me to him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Dang. You trying to insult me? I'm not trying to. I'm a professional. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't know if that was a conscious decision or not, now that I'm thinking about it. I, I didn't wake up one day and said, say, you know what, I'm never going to wear one of these again. I just um Stopped. I suppose I should probably clean out my closet if I'm never going to wear stuff like that again. But maybe I will. I don't know, man. I'm mercurial. You are mercurial. You're mercurious. I mean, I might... You're mercurious. I might start wearing, like, tangerine stripes or something, you know? Tangerine stripes... Yeah, on my pants. Kind of like my old Papillon pants, but brighter. Oh, not the Papillon pants. <laughs> but much brighter. Uh. <laughs> or, or do you remember, we've talked about this not that long ago, but do you remember Vicious Fishes? Vicious Fishes, no. Oh, okay, it was one of those like, you know, 90s brands, early 90s, late 80s, no, early 90s. No, I don't. Really weird, bold pattern pants. I do remember the first time I saw you in the pants, though, and I was like, should I be here? <laughs> and they were just my jammies, man. Yeah, but I was like, Am I, should I need to be here while he's in, he's out in this little outfit? What? He looks like he just escaped Azkaban. <laughs> my Papillon pants. I miss, I miss my Papillon pants. They were comfy. Yeah. Because uh, it lo- that's what it is. It looks like, yeah, it looks like you just escaped a prison. A French prison of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, good times. Good times. Anyway. um, I don't know. Did we get an email? I'm pretty sure that, uh, at least Henrik came through. Yeah. Henrik said, uh, yeah, he wrote in. He said, hi, Crank Mike and other birthday people. No, that's May 31st. <laughs> there we go. Hi, Crank Mike and other neat people. Oh. I should start off the email with the obligatory apology for not writing in. I don't even have a good excuse as I've had a long summer holiday with my daily and without my daily commute, my podcast listening almost completely stopped. Fair enough. 
do not apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm glad you have stuff to do. Yeah. Being busy uh, is good, and not having to take a long commute is good. He said, I wonder how long that commute is. Wait. I'm sure he's told us before. Is Denmark... No, I guess Denmark's not near Finland, is it? Yeah, it's a... Specifically Lapland. I don't know if it's right (laughs) next to it. It might be. Yeah. I I was just wondering. I I was watching this show called Arctic Circle. I thought it was going to be more of a horror movie about viruses. Mm Mm-hmm. And it turns out that it's more like a... uh, What do you call those? Suspense type thing, I guess. Not suspense, more like a, not procedural, because it's not like a law and order thing, but cops versus bad guys versus viruses, I guess, sort of. And it's it's Finnish. It's actually made in Finland by Finn people. Are they Finns or are they Finlandians? Uh, they are Finns, I believe. Okay, so actually it's a Finnish show made by Finns. It was on Amazon. They've got two versions of it, a dubbed and a subbed. Which one's funnier? I watched the dubbed because I watched it while I was working. I can't watch subs while I work. Uh, Denmark is not near Finland at all. Okay. I don't know why I even brought... That's like sort of that thing where, you know, you meet somebody from a country and you're like, oh, do you know, like, everybody in a country knows everybody else or something? I just figured all, all those... Nordic? Is Finland Nordic? I don't even know. Yeah, Nordic countries. I just figured all those Nordic country people know each other, you know, or know about the same stuff. That's presumptuous of me. Sorry, though. You can keep reading this. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even looking at uh, I'm happy you guys are still providing us free entertainment. Even if we listeners are bad at writing in, we will try to do better. Ali started talking for everybody. Hmm. Cool. Henrik speaks for the trees. <laughs> Norton, he said, for the sawdusty sneeze. My name is Henrik. I speak for the trees. Uh, that's from Henrik from Denmark. Yay, Denmark. Good for hearing, good for hearing, good to hear from you. Right, go to hear from you. Good for hearing. Good for hearing? Good for hearing from you. Good for hearing from, good for hearing from you. Go for break. New Creek Cash shirts. Go for break. <laughs> Go for break. Good for hearing. Good for hearing. Good for, good for... Good for hearing to you. Good for hearing to you. Ah, Something like that. Go for break, though. That's got to be... Go for break. That's actually... I didn't make that up. What is that from? That was from a weird... My mom was throwing a birthday party for some kids or something one time. And she bought a bunch of, like, just cheap, um, like, handout kind of things for everybody. Toy Mm -hmm. things. Toy-related stuff. So she went to, like, the... One of the... 
I can't remember back then what the thrift stores were, like Dollar General equivalent type places. Yeah, Fred's and Dollar General. Yeah. Um, Dollar General's been around for a long time. And I can't remember what it was back then, but she went there and just bought a bunch of things that you could get for like a quarter or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, they might have been prizes for games or something. But anyway, one of the things, and I snagged it because I thought it was hilarious, it was this, uh, like a World War II type fighter plane or something. Or maybe it wasn't even a fighter plane, it might have just been like a stunt plane or something. But, you know, it was in a blister pack kind of thing. And across the wings, it said, go for break, instead of go for broke. <laughs> Still. And I'm like, that's hilarious, so I kept it. <laughs> and it comes out, comes out every now and then. I say, go for break. Now, now it's ours. Pork chop ever can. Pork chop in every can. Pork chop, pork chop never can is the phrase. That's, that's actually pork chop in every can. But I know, but pork chop never can is ours, right? <laughs> sure, I morphed into that somehow. Pork, pork chop never can. Probably because I was slurring it as I was saying. Hmm. <laughs> All these things. Ike. Oh, I, don't know. I was about to drift into the uh, that monologue from the end of Blade Runner, but no, it's time to go. Yeah, uh, I was looking at the what's in stores this week list. Dark Horse put out a um, Richard Corbin Den hardcover. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. I remember looking at the Den stuff when I was younger and liking it a bunch. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything in stores this week? Uh, I think that Terror, that Titans, um, uh, Night Terrors number two was out. This was out Wednesday, and I have like ten pages in that, or seven pages, or something like that. Did you say it was Night Terrors? Night Titans, Night Terrors. Night Terrors is like an event that's going on. Okay. Um, bunch of stuff, but I don't see anything I've worked on. <laughs> uh, oh, Rick and Morty number eight is in stores this week. Should I read next week's instead, in case we don't actually record? I don't know. Or should I check next week's? I uh, I just lettered or got done through the third issue of a thing that um, Mike Marici wrote for Rick and Morty. Really? Yeah. Hadn't heard from that guy in a long time. Um, what is Gnord's? <laughs> Gnord the Green Lantern. Gnord's the Green Lantern. G apostrophe N O R T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he he was a Green Lantern. Oh, I guess there's a series. Like a, a bad Green Lantern. Oh, really? Maybe, maybe he's not a well, not like evil. He was just bad at it. Oh, <laughs> there's a yeah something called Nortz Illustrate. Nortz <laughs> Illustrate. Why aren't they hiring me for these? I want to draw this stuff. I don't know. I don't even know what that... I didn't know what that was until you explained them to me. It's the Nortz Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. 
That's hilarious. Um, that's next week, though. And dun dun dun! People still love their gargoyles. Yeah, man, that's like I did not expect that to be the new thing. Holy crow, man! Gargoyles number nine, which is in stores next week, has covers A through X. That doesn't surprise me, isn't it? Isn't it? Dynamite. It's dynamite, so it's dynamic forces. It's a, it's nothing. I mean, they are. That's their business, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they're all about creating collectibles as well as dealing in collectibles. Um. Anyway, yeah, I don't know Marvel stuff. A whole bunch of Marvel junk and <sighs> Gonad the Barbarian and whatnot. Go. Uh, why hasn't anybody done that? I don't know. Gonad the Barbarian. <laughs> this is weird. I think somebody did in like a Mad Magazine or something. Um, next week has Rick and Morty number eight listed too. <laughs> that's the only thing I saw. I don't know if that's They're just all a, going to be number eight from here on out. I guess it's a way to avoid uh, having a reboot or something. Just keep, mm-hmm. keep numbering at number eight from now until infinity. Infinity. So uh, anyway, all right. Uh, you know, you can reach us at crankcast.com and crankcast at gmail.com and Mike's website is ihatemike.com and, you know, battlepug.com. Mike's got t-shirt stores like battlepug.threadless.com. Buy some t-shirts. Support his product. <laughs> Help me. Bye. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Bye, Mike Emil. <laughs> Buy our product. Uh, and, uh, yeah, well, we hope you have a good weekend, and, you know, we'll try to catch you next week. <laughs> or I something. Love, I love you all. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>